0: Okay, the next two categories are really important for life success, but they're not widely addressed or celebrated. And that's interpersonal intelligence. These are people smart. They understand and work well with people. They have empathy. They have strong empathy. They read and interpret others' emotions. They judge accurately other people's feelings. They're great leaders. They're great team players. They are really good at social relationships. They can mediate conflict. They have a lot of friendships. They learn from being the teacher. And if they're really high in interpersonal intelligence, they can actually become disruptive in the classroom because they're not getting this need met. Hey, parenting beyond discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. Parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer, single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village Podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So in last week's episode, I discussed how we can help our kids have the best possible educational experience at each stage and age, including environments and experiences that are most advantageous. So in this episode, I'm going to finish up discussing school of choice options you may find within or outside of your district, if you want to consider this as an option and some of our experiences with this. Then I'm going to dig into different learning styles and the eight areas our kids will show natural aptitude so you can be well informed about how your kids learn best, where they might naturally excel. And then you can match that up with the potential school choice as well to help really build the best educational experience for your individual child. So first, I'm gonna talk about charters and magnets. I talked a little bit about this last episode, but I didn't really talk about what they are. So charter schools and magnet schools are both free. Okay, magnet schools are managed by the school district. They focus on themes, and I'll talk about what those themes are in a second. The charter school... Has its own charter. So it manages itself. However, they do usually need to be sponsored by a particular school district, but they will often choose their own schedules outside of the district. So the school year start dates, end dates, and the spring breaks, the different breaks won't always or usually match up with the school district that they happen to fall within. Okay. So a magnet school is generally based on ideas of being visionary and innovative. They're open to all students, but there's kind of a tier on what students they take. They'll take the neighborhood students first. Then they'll take students that have like feeder schools. That's how my kids got into their current magnet school. We were in a feeder school, so they got in through that way. Then it's other students within the district. And then last is students outside of the district. We'll usually get spots within a magnet school, but don't let this stop you. If you're thinking about a magnet school, go ahead and try. I have a friend who has two of her kids in my kid's magnet school and she is outside of the district. So here are some themes that often magnet schools will focus on. Science, tech, engineering, and math, so STEM, and that we have one of those in our district for middle school, the fine and performing arts, an international baccalaureate program or international studies program. Now, what's interesting is they'll have this for magnet schools, but also charter schools can have this. My older son's charter school does offer an IB diploma program. I'll talk about that in a minute as something separate. Their career and technical education schools. So these are for kids who might not be geared on a college track, but will want to get out and have some technical skills or start some training for a particular career right away. Or a world language, an immersion or non-immersion. Schools are also a theme for magnet schools. So magnet schools are accountable to state standards, but in most cases, they do exceed those standards. But they also tend to focus on things like teamwork, acceptance, innovation, and engagement that makes it a more vibrant learning environment and development of positive citizenship. So now international baccalaureate programs. So you can have an IB school that is a elementary school. My twins went to, this was their feeder school into their magnet school. That that was an IB school, an international baccalaureate school. And it tends to teach on more of a global level. They encourage students to think critically and challenge assumptions. They're independent. So the curriculum tends to differ a little bit from a standard school. Now, the International Baccalaureate Diploma Program is a very rigorous program. It's a two-year program, which is the junior and senior years of high school that kids will graduate with some college credits. They have to do a lot of research. They have to write papers and they will take college level classes. Like I said, that's why they'll end up with some college credits. So it's a very academically rigorous program. It is a globally recognized diploma. This means kids with this degree can often get into schools outside of the U.S., although that's not why kids will always do this, but they also tend to have a much higher chance of getting into college if they have an IB diploma. So an IB diploma will often give kids a two to three times the chance of getting into their school of choice. So schools that are highly competitive actually gives kids a leg up. So here's just an example. So the entrance rates at Cornell, normally 18% with an IB is 31% acceptance rate. For Duke University, 16% with a regular diploma, 28% with an IB diploma. Princeton, overall 8% acceptance rate, 16% if they have an IB diploma. University of Florida is 42% acceptance rate, but 82% with an IB diploma. So, it does increase their chance of getting into whatever school they decide that they want to go to. Of course, that means you still have to, in most cases, pay for the school. It doesn't necessarily mean more um, scholarship money, but it does increase the chances of getting in. Another option is called concurrent enrollment or dual enrollment program. So, this is for kids usually in high school and then the later years of high school, but there are kids in ninth and 10th grade and even kids in middle school who have done the concurrent enrollment program. This is When your school or your district allows your student to take a class at a local, usually it's a community college, and they will get both credit for high school and for college. And so they already get some college credits out of the way. The credits are free. You still have to pay for the materials. You have to pay for the books and any of the materials that your student needs for the class. So that is an option. That is what my older son is going to be doing next year, this coming school year. He's going to be doing a concurrent enrollment. He's going to take a couple of classes at the local community college. He'll be in ninth grade. And then he will get his high school credit for those classes. And then the rest of the classes he's going to take. It's basically a homeschool program, but it's kind of a hybrid. They call it the learning center at his school. It's through his charter. So there's just so many great options out there. It's you want to look around as your kids get older and you're guiding them through their education, trying to figure out what works for them. You can really look around to find some great options. So he is going to be doing the Learning Center program, which allows him to do two classes on campus and he loves orchestra. So he's going to take orchestra. So he'll be able to continue in the orchestra and being a part of kind of the school environment. And then we'll pick his second class that he'll do on campus and then he'll do A couple of classes through the college, and then anything else, it will be a distance learning type of self paced learning for him because he is interested in really focusing on tennis. And so this will open up his schedule to be able to focus on tennis during the other hours of the day and then fit his classes in in the afternoon. So if you aren't sure what's available in your district, if you aren't sure what's available outside of your district, if you're in a smaller community like we were up in Santa Clarita, there was not much option there. So it may have become more of a better option for us to have gone outside of the district in that case, although for their middle school and high school, they tended to have a little bit more school options than they did for elementary school. But you may want to look into an intra-district transfer, looking at schools outside of your district, if your district just doesn't seem to offer much choice at all and you feel like your child would benefit from any of these other options that I mentioned, a STEM school or a performing arts school a magnet school in particular, and your school district doesn't offer it. If you're not sure what's available, if you would like to have some support on understanding some of the options in around your area, I would look up a Facebook group. I'm in a great Facebook group with some parents here in North County, San Diego. So I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called North County Schools or something like that, or North County School Options but do a search or ask around for some parents and you can ask all kinds of questions parents ask about what do you think of this school what do you think of that school and we'll get, you can get a lot of great feedback through that the last thing i didn't mention was private schools private schools always an option if you have the financial means for private school then you can also look into that as an option so now i'm going to talk about learning styles and in multiple intelligence theory because these are some areas where if your child is struggling in school It may be due to their learning styles or in areas where they excel that maybe isn't being emphasized in the school that they're in. So, just understanding what your child's learning, your children's learning styles are, and then where their gifts and talents may lie can really help you guide their education. Okay, so learning styles. So, we all learn in different ways and we have different strengths and intelligence. If our kids happen to learn better in a non traditional way or they have intelligence in a non traditional area outside of like math, science, and tech and reading, They may not be seen as smart or as competent as those with the more traditional strengths or traditional learning styles that match traditional classrooms. And again, I talked last week about the school system. And actually, it turns out that the school system that was created was was created actually in the 1800s to turn out factory workers. And so there has been some shifts in education. And we set this foundation for school. And now you know, we've been trying to build off of this foundation, but what really needed to happen, we needed to kind of tear it down and start over. And we've been trying to kind of build off of this traditional style. You know, some schools have been able to completely recreate the learning environment, totally recreate the way that we learn, the way that material is presented to make it more interesting, to make it more engaging for kids of all different interests and learning levels and learning styles. But there's still a lot of schools that haven't been able to do this yet. And so Just having that understanding that you may need to really look outside and think outside the box if your child is really struggling in school in a traditional classroom. As a parent, you're going to want to understand their strengths and their struggles and be the best advocate for their education going forward. Okay, so learning styles. It's helpful to know when you're teaching your own child a concept at home, how to help support them through their learning at school, and if or when they're struggling in school You can change the way you're working with them, or you can alert a tutor about their learning style, or you can go in and talk to the school and have a parent-teacher meeting or meet with the principal and talk about your child's learning style and ask for some allowances for them to learn in a different way, having them give lessons geared towards your child's learning style. So when we talk about private schools, this is one of the things that when I talked about private schools or mentioned private schools, private schools, you tend to have a lot more clout in asking for things because you are a client, you are, you know, you're paying for their education. And so they tend to be a little bit more flexible, tend to be, not always, they can be very traditional as well. But you can find some private schools that can be a little bit more progressive and have really kind of built schools based around how children learn. So you can be on the lookout for that if that's an option for you. But there's also some amazing magnet schools and charter schools that do this as well. We have, as I've mentioned, a lot of amazing schools here. One is where two of my twins go an Innovation and Design Academy, where it is kind of based on creativity, but it's on design thinking and design learning and designing and engineering. But there's also drama and a lot of other amazing classes as well. There's also this great school. It's outside of our district. My older son actually got a spot in it it's a charter school, but this one was built from the ground up based on how kids learn. And it was absolutely incredible. Small classrooms, innovative learning, innovative teaching, absolutely incredible. Um, But he ended up not going there because they didn't have orchestra, which he loves. And he was already planning on doing this kind of blended homeschool thing starting next year anyway. So it didn't really make sense for him to move over there because they didn't have that option at that school, but they have incredible design labs and design thinking and, you know, allowing kids open up to problem solve and create in ways that are just so innovative and amazing. So I wish every child had an opportunity to attend schools like this. But if where there's a will, there's a way so you can get out there and you can look around and see what's available in your community. And you can pull parents together and start advocating for something more like this for your children, too. You can get out there and you can see like, what are other districts doing? What other school options are doing? High tech. That's what it's called. There's high tech elementary High tech, middle, and high tech high school. So you can check that one out, check out Magnet Schools, check out Vita, where my kids go. Vista Innovation and Design Academy. Dr. Eric Shagala is the principal and look at some of the things they're doing at these schools to see what's available and see what some really incredible progressive options are that might be available that either you may have in your district or that you can start to spearhead. Okay, so teachers should be giving lessons in many different ways to cover the different learning styles, but It's pretty common for teachers to rely most heavily on lectures, which mainly will benefit auditory learners. Now, most children do fall into this category, so that's good. Up to 50% of kids fall into this category, and they learn through songs, discussion, lectures, sound, and phonics games, and they learn by listening. Now, these kids are seen as smart, and schools tend to favor this way of learning. There's also visual learners. Now, 35 to 40% of kids fall into this category. This is me. They want to see it. They want to draw it out. They want it drawn out. They want examples. They think in images. They may ask to see things written out or charts or graphs are also helpful. They may seem inattentive, but they're most likely visualizing. This is so me. (laughs) And then lastly, there's kinesthetic learners. This is the smallest group of learners, 10 to 15% of children They want to feel it. They want to hold it. They want to touch it. They want to do it. This is actually me also. I fall into both of these. They may want to be in motion. They may want to touch a lot of things. They may be viewed as hyperactive since they're moving around a lot. They learn more by moving. These types of learners can really struggle in traditional school settings. So if you have one of these learners and this is totally ringing a bell for you, it's probably because you have a kinesthetic learner. They want to be moving. They want to be touching. They want to be doing. They don't want to be sitting and listening. It's really hard for them. Now, if your child has a diagnosis of ADD or ADHD, this is a great way for a lot of kids with ADD to learn. They can move while they're learning. Think word hopscotch in kindergarten through second grade or letter hopscotch for preschool or kindergarten, where you read out the letter or the word as you jump on it or word hide and seek. These are things I used with my son when he would get home from school after kindergarten. We would play word hide and seek or hopscotch because he didn't want to be sitting and reading it. He would just start to throw a fit. And I was like, I'm not going to force him to sit and read. So we would play some games, but physical games because he'd been in school all day. We would play hot cold until they found the words. Right. So they'd, they'd play hot cold. They'd find this group of words and they'd read them out two to three words. And then we'd go find the next group of words. So things like this is the way to think outside the box in helping kids learn in ways that are fun, that are engaging, but it also gets their bodies moving, which they also need anyway. So with those with auditory and visual learning styles tend to perform really well on verbal and visual spatial sections of IQ tests. So these auditory and visual learners tend to score higher on IQ tests, but doesn't necessarily mean they're actually more intelligent. It's just the way that they're able to process information and relay information. Puro air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. puroair.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Armour makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armour, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Okay, so now we're gonna talk about multiple intelligence theory. So this was started by Dr. Gardner. It was continued on by Dr. Armstrong. So their belief was IQ tests, the traditional IQ test measures are too low. That intelligence needs to be real world problem solving. So children should be taught in ways that touch on all categories of intelligence, regardless of where their strengths lie. They will learn more deeply and richly. And there are schools out there that are multiple intelligence schools. So if you have children that fall outside of the norms of their intelligence and their talents, then that might be something to look in and see if you have something like that in your district. Okay, there's eight categories of intelligence. So we all have some of these in varying degrees. The first one is linguistic. This is the ability to use words well, to manipulate and persuade in language, reading and writing. They may be very good storytellers. They have great vocabulary. They have good memory for words and lyrics. So people like lawyers, politicians, writers, comedians, these actually are this level, this area of intelligence is also falls into that area of where schools and teachers and tests and the way that they teach actually highlights these kids intelligence logical and mathematical another area where traditional schools tend to if the kids are, have a lot of logical or mathematical intelligence it will be highlighted they will be seen as smart or competent in school so this is number smart logical patterns they're good with numbers they work well with numbers they understand the reasoning behind math cause and effect computers brain teasers chess logic puzzles, mental calculations, and they tend to do really well in math and science, obviously, so and tend to become scientists, mathematicians, and engineers. They okay, spatial intelligence. This is picture smart. Space, location, direction, mazes, models. They can think in 3D, machinery, maps, charts, graphs. They may doodle a lot. They think in pictures. So artists, sculptors, inventors, planners, architects. It's funny, my oldest son loves maps. When he was really little, we go to a theme park, Disneyland or Universal. He always wanted the map. He would hold the map and he would tell us exactly where we were and where we needed to go to get where we wanted to go. (laughs) Definitely had a lot of spatial intelligence. Body kinesthetic. This is the whole body awareness, hand-eye coordination. They're athletic. They love sports. They love to play on the playground. They use a lot of gestures. They read body language. They have really good fine motor skills, eye-hand coordination, visual motor skills. So these are kids who become athlete, dancers, actors. They use their hands, pilots, surgeons. This is where IQ testing stops, but there's four more areas of intelligence. I just want to talk about, there was a, a little boy. I met his mom at a little play area at the mall. I took my kids, we were, they were super little. We'd go to the mall and play. You know, if it was too hot out or it was raining or whatever, we'd go to the mall and play on the playground in the mall. And it was easier to keep an eye on them too. And I met this mom. She was there with her son, and her son had this amazing kinesthetic intelligence. He was like leaping from, you know, apparatus to apparatus and landing with all this balance. And I mentioned it to her. Well, his dad was a professional football player. So, He came by it honestly, but it was so interesting to see that, like how advanced he was kinesthetically. And then to find out that his dad was a professional athlete made total sense. Musical intelligence, sense of rhythm, drawn to music, they carry a tune. This may be left to parents to enrich outside of school with music lessons, concerts, that type of thing. Interestingly, A lot of kids who are really good with mathematical reasoning can be very good with music. I never thought my older son would be interested in music or would take to music. I'm so shocked that he loves it so much. And he just pulls out his violin and just plays just for fun. He likes a song. He learns how to play it on on his violin. He picks things out. He composes music on the keyboard that I have in the house. So it's a really interesting area of intelligence. Okay, the next two categories are really important for life success, but they're not widely addressed or celebrated. And that's interpersonal intelligence. These are people smart. They understand and work well with people. They have empathy. They have strong empathy. They read and interpret others' emotions. They judge accurately other people's feelings. They're great leaders. They're great team players. They are really good at social relationships. They can mediate conflict. They have a lot of friendships. They learn from being the teacher. And if they're really high in interpersonal intelligence, they can actually become disruptive in the classroom because they're not getting this need met. So definitely something to think about if you're having a child who's struggling and you recognize that this is how they are. Taking these kids and having them teach others is a great way to engage them. And it helps them to learn. It helps them to solidify concepts. An amazing tool in the classroom for teachers who will draw on this. Okay, that was interpersonal. Then there's intrapersonal. This is self-smart, understanding of the self, who I am. This is a realistic view of the self. What are my strengths? What do I need to work on? They know their own strengths and weaknesses. They know their own talents. They are confident, self-directed, they're self-motivated, they're self-disciplined, they're great at creating goals, they're great at learning from their own mistakes, they tend to be persistent, they're reflective, they're intuitive, and they're independent thinkers. They know their own limitations, they have strong opinions, and they express their emotions really well, and they're great at being self-paced learners. So if you have a child who has a lot of intrapersonal intelligence... This is where considering, you know, the self-paced learning as they get a little bit older may be something you want to do. This is obviously my older son as well. He does not like being taught at because he's already 10 steps ahead and he feels like it's just the pace is so slow that he just is getting bored. So this is the other reason he wants to do his own self-paced learning. Then there is naturalistic intelligence. This is connected to and interested in and curious about nature biology, ecology, aware and concerned about the natural world. They like to collect natural things, rocks, shells, sticks, bugs. So there's a lot of preschools with a living classroom, outdoor classrooms. This was my kids' Reggio school. Reggio tends to have a lot of outdoor, as does Waldorf. A lot of outdoor interaction and learning. This is my daughter. She has a lot of naturalistic intelligence. She still to this day, she's 12 And if she can catch a lizard, she is so happy. Now that she rides horses and she's on the farm, she loves to pick up the chickens. The roosters will let her pick them up. Roosters don't usually let people pick them up. Not only do they let her pick them up. The other day she was holding a rooster. She had it cradled. It was laying on its back in her arms, just so relaxed with her. She has the most amazing naturalistic intelligence. There is a pigeon that landed on her head. Keep flying over. She was at the barn again. It landed on her head. And just stood there, didn't poop on her luckily, but then it it got on her arm and it stood on her arm for a while and then it let her hold it. She just has this amazing naturalistic intelligence. Like she can communicate with animals. It is so beautiful. And she potentially wants to do something with, she said she either wants to be a mycologist, which is with mushrooms. She wants to work with mushrooms. She loves mushrooms, loves to draw mushrooms. She's a great artist anyway. And she wants to do something with horses. She's really natural with horses. She would be an amazing trainer and uh, riding coach as well. So I don't know what she's going to do with this amazing areas of her intelligence, but she's has some really incredible skills and talents. So it's really good to know where your children fall so you can support their learning. But it's also good to know the categories in general so you can help your child develop in all these areas, regardless of their strengths or weaknesses because like naturalistic intelligence, my older son, no, doesn't like to hike, doesn't like to be outside except playing tennis, but you know, man-made doesn't, but definitely doesn't want to be out in nature. So something, you know, we try to get them out, try to get them hiking whenever I can. So presenting the material in all the ways that allows for kids to have a lively classroom and a lively experience is what we would be shooting for. Now, you know, you're not going to probably find a school that's going to be really amazing in all these areas, but it's nice to know, it's good to know, and you can kind of guide them and find opportunities and schools that may be open to helping your child with their naturalistic intelligence. Do they have a gardening class? You know, do they have some kind of animal classes, especially as they get into middle school and high school? Like, Do they have electives in areas where that your child with naturalistic intelligence might be able to take some electives? So, here's just an example, a reading lesson for all of the eight styles. Okay. So, mathematical. So, this you might want to give them a flannel board or chalkboard for patterns in spelling. So, have them spell out some words, find the patterns in spelling. Use a visual based reading program if they're really struggling. Spatial would be using pictures to support the language. So, read stories where every third word is a picture with a meaning or coloring around the words, like having them pick out the, the words that rhyme without or having them find the words that all rhyme with like and coloring them this color and then coloring the other words or outlining other words that rhyme without. So it's something like that. Kinesthetic would be like I mentioned earlier, word hopscotch. Musical, poems, singing songs, rhyming and patterns, things like Dr. Seuss books, alphabet or the alphabet song. Interpersonal is reading activities, groups, taking turns reading aloud, older children reading to younger children. Intrapersonal, independent reader at their own pace, often self taught, so doing some quiet reading time. Naturalistic, reading books about nature, like The Frog and Toad, Trumpet of the Swan, those for a good chapter books, The Butterfly Alphabet poster, maybe even going outside and reading. So obviously, As I shared in the beginning, and I've illustrated here, we all learn in different ways. We all have different strengths and intelligence. So as the parent, you are now equipped to support and advocate for your child's best educational experience in all these different areas, in their learning styles, whether they're auditory, visual, kinesthetic, or have some combination thereof, the different categories of intelligence between linguistic, mathematical, logical, spatial, kinesthetic, musical, interpersonal, intrapersonal, and naturalistic. And as always, if you want more information, some of the classes that are related to this are making homework work, temperament, finding a preschool, learning styles and in multiple intelligence theory, your developing toddler, your developing preschooler, and of course, all the positive discipline classes, the development and health.